Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome into another winning episode of the Bearcat Brunch, brought to you as always by Royal Links Golf Tours. Have you always wanted to play golf at St. Andrews? Have you ever enjoyed that perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland? Well, now you can with the help of Royal Links Golf Tours, a golf tour specialist offering unforgettable golf experiences to Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Their custom itineraries are more than golf trips. They are immersive, cultural, and country experiences that will surprise and delight you both on and off the course. Royal Links Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner, UC alum Jeff Bartholomew. So if you'd like to play that amazing round at St. Andrews or get that perfect pint of Guinness, visit their website at royallinksgolftours.com or call them directly at 770-331-1525. And with that, we are back on a, another warm, bright Sunday morning. Not sure if we're going to pay for this at some point. We but, will. We will. Uh, got to wear shorts and a t-shirt to the game yesterday. Was, was outstanding. Uh, and the Bearcats in... What is come to be expected against a, a Navy team slogged their way to a 20-10 to 10 victory, improving the record to 7-2, and two, keeping themselves in the hunt for a third straight AAC championship. Joined, as always, by my partner, Jeff Howe. And as we do every week, I will kick it off to you and just, uh, you know, give your big first impression of the Bearcats win. <sighs> I mean, it. Look, this is a team that last year went to the the college football playoff, and they beat Navy by seven points. They won by ten points this year. It was very, I don't know, un, an uninteresting, uninspiring kind of win, but they got through it. I mean, Ben Bryant looked good uh, for the most part. I think. Um, Defense kind of was still, I mean, they were there, but not as, you didn't have as many tackles for loss and sacks as you'd like to see maybe, but they won the game and we don't ever have to play a triple option team again. So I'm good with that. Yes. I mean, I, maybe just no matter how good or bad, I think you have to just be absolutely firing on all cylinders and they have to play bad to to get a blowout against them. It's just not in the cards with the way that they play and the things that they do. And there, you know, there were no turnovers for either team. So it's not, you weren't going to, you didn't get a short field or anything like that. I mean, UC had eight possessions. There's, and they, you know, they scored on half of them, but it's just the way that it goes playing Navy. And, you know, I think, Offensively and defensively, they did, you know, quite a bit of, of good things. It's just a, yeah. it's just a pain in the butt to play them. Um, I'm I'm glad that the game took just under three hours. That was very very nice. And as you said, I'm glad we don't have to play them probably ever again. It's just, I don't know. Like you, I was surprised that the time of possession ended up. Uh, being pretty even uh as far as like you know going against a team like i feel like when we play them usually you know we have like our 
are four possessions total in the game. It feels like, and right, and they just they also have four possessions, but they just hold on to the ball for so long. Right, right. Um, but it was pretty. I mean, it was they had it for thirty three minutes. We had it for almost twenty seven minutes. Uh, you know, the first half, I think each team had three real possessions, or maybe UC had four, and then they had three real possessions because they that last one they kneeled it out. Right. Um, that. Did the this is kind of a question that popped into my head while I was watching the game, and I was like, I'm gonna ask Dave about this tomorrow. Did you feel like when you were there that that final possession of the first half just seemed off? Yes, I mean, I called it, I tweeted it was Marvin Lewis esque. It was. Uh, it was. It was the... They. I felt like they couldn't decide whether they wanted to attack or kind of be conservative and, and see what happened. Uh, I mean, I have I have it in my notes to get to, and so since you brought okay. it up, I like I literally don't know what they were doing because, like, I, I totally understood the Navy possession prior not using your timeouts um, because they were already down there. They were in field goal range, so they kick a field goal with, I think it was like a minute 55 left, and you have three timeouts. So you, you run it a couple times for, for positive yardage, and then you're in third and four at your own 44-yard line, still with three timeouts left. And you let they let the clock run. That was the confusing part to me. I'm thinking, okay, you ran the ball for six yards to set up third and four, so the clock is running. I think with around a minute left, maybe a little bit under a minute. So call a timeout there. You know, run your third and four play. If you get it, great. If you don't, you punt it, obviously, because even giving them the ball back with, say, 45 seconds or something, they're a triple option team. You punt it down. You're on your own 44. They're not probably going to get very good field position. So it's not like they're going to be a super threat to go down real quick and and score. Um, so then – then you run the, the you run the clock down and you throw the, the pass to Chuck that doesn't get the first down. Then you call then they call a timeout. Then you I just like the whole first like the the play calling in the first half especially in the way Ben was playing. That's why I didn't get it. Like you were getting those easy the, the things that we talked about last week. How nothing for this offense comes easy. Mm-hmm. And that where are the freebies and the gimmies? Like, they got plenty of those in the first half. Like, I thoroughly thought the first half, and for the most part, the whole game. Like, the the game plan, the play, doesn't like, it was good. Um, they didn't hit explosive plays and still had, like, pretty positive offensive numbers from, from that standpoint. So, you know, I, I just didn't get it. Like, and, you know, Bearcat 12 says it tells me they don't trust the offense. I totally disagree. Like, they hit those easy plays all game long. Like, they couldn't have done that again on that third and four. Um, But I just didn't understand letting the clock run down when you're at the 44-yard line So with all those timeouts. So you call a timeout, you you get the first down. Say you even just get it by a yard. Third and fourth to 44, you're at midfield. With two, with still with two timeouts left, the clock stops because you got the first down. First down, and you the way Ryan Coe's been kicking, like you really only need. And I think it was that going that direction was going into the wind, 
but the wind was not nearly as much of a factor in the stadium as it was uh, in the tailgate lots pregame. Really? Uh, yeah, it was from yeah up until about game time. It was there was some serious wind going on. I concur, hundred percent. Totally and then agree. Once the game started, I mean, it was still windy at times, and there would be small gusts at times, but it was not anything that we, you know, that we had been worried about or talked about pre previously. So, you know, you get down into the, the, you get, you get to their 35, you know, their 35, their 30, you're at least giving him a realistic shot at a field goal. And I just, I just thought that that for some reason, like they ran the ball on that drive and was successful and then got to kind of that like middle area of the field where then it was like they weren't sure what to do. That was that was my only beef was the kind of letting the clock run down when you had the timeouts and not being aggressive. And you don't have to be aggressive like throwing Being the ball shots. thirty yards downfield, aggressive. But I just didn't get it. You know, they There's they no. let a good fifteen to twenty seconds run off the clock before they ran that third down play that they end up not converting. Um, it was just a, it was a little perplexing given that. You were up, what was it, 13 to 3? Yes. And, you know, you could have, you know, theoretically even 3 points, 16 to 3. You know, I don't know. It was it was odd, but I'm not going to, yeah. you know, what it is what it is. You, you, there's there's going to be moments like that in, in a season where, you know, you just, you know, whatever. It happens. It was, it was very, it was perplexing. I'm like looking around. My my son was sitting there watching. He's like, "What is they like? They're just are they just letting the time? Like, why don't what's going on?" And I was like, uh, "I don't know. It, it seems like they don't know what they're doing right now." And I don't know if there was some conflicting thought processes going on between you know some you know maybe Luke and the and right. Gina. I, I don't know. Whatever no. it happened um, time wise, there was a minute fifty left when they snapped it on second and ten, uh, and then. When they finally called a timeout uh, before the third down play, there was uh, 32 seconds. So right. between running for six yards and then trying to figure out whatever they were going to do, they ran a minute and a half off the off the yeah. clock. So. Right. So it was it was it was weird. But again, you know, you only get eight offensive drives. Your scoring drives are 46, 60, 87, and 98. The 98 yard drive was actually the fastest drive of the game. Um, but you know, it's kind of what we had talked about you know, having these gaps in between touchdown drives and three and outs. And they did much better with that. They only had one true three and out, and that was on the last drive of the game where they're basically kneeling it. So I went back and looked, and you can look up available yards. So, like, every drive that you have from the starting point to a touchdown, like, how many yards do you gain overall for the entire game? And I thought it was interesting that in the Navy game, they gained 68% of their available yards, which was the highest mark of any game in conference this year. And like against Tulsa, they gained 41%, against UCF 52, and against SMU 54, you know, USF 66. So right right there with Navy, you know, against two of the more suspect defenses, more suspect pass defenses, especially. But I don't think it's a coincidence that like they worked the shorter, more intermediate stuff in this game. And maybe part of that is because of what Navy does defensively. They pressure a ton. They they make it very hard for you to run because they just always have a bunch of guys 
up at the line of scrimmage. So you, even if they're not blitzing or pressuring, you're going to check out of a run when there's seven, yeah. eight guys up there. Um, and I thought the offensive line did a pretty good job with their games and with their pressures. They did have that one drive, I think it was in the fourth quarter, where they gave up two sacks, had the two delay of games. But other than that, Ben had a pretty pretty clean pocket most of the game against a team that likes to try to confuse you, likes to pressure, likes to blitz. Um, and I thought he played he played really well. I thought he played really well. 25-35, you know, back up into the 70% after a pretty good dip the last few games. 299, two touchdowns. Like I said, two sacks. Had the fumble that they recovered. Um, having Tyler Scott back at, at full strength does yeah, he was wonders. very clearly back at full wonders, strength. Does wonders for your passing game. I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah. I mean, what he had, uh, and he still can, he continues his streak of all of his touchdowns being, uh, 20 plus yards. So that's, I think he's got 13 on his career and they're all, they're all over, over, uh, 20 yards. One of them was the, the big one on, on fourth and fourth and one. It was a fourth and one, uh, little pass to the outside where he, uh, he took it to the house. He had ended up with, uh, 10 catches, 139 yards, two touchdowns. I'd say that's uh, back. Um, Jaden Thompson, three receptions for 81 yards. Trey Tucker, five for 24. Wiley and uh, Taylor combined together for three catches. That's nice yeah, to see I mean, those I, guys getting it back I in thought, there. Still some drops that. Oh, they had four drops in the first half on like. Very, very catchable passes. Ex- exactly. Like, I mean. Some of them were harder than others, like the Will Pauling one on the on the sideline, you know, hard catch yeah. to get it, get that in and get your foot in and, and all that. Like Jane Thompson, I know the one on the near sideline, he kind of had to like turn his body back to the inside a little bit. But like you also like you gotta help your quarterback out too. Like those were not outrageous, you know, Misses. throws where they're yeah. making diving attempts to get one hand you know they were they should have been catches and i mean i think ben missed a throw on that actual play to Jaden thompson i didn't go back and rewatch it but on the replay it looked like he had a touchdown over the top down the middle now i couldn't tell you know was he had he already thrown it when the guy was breaking kind of breaking right. open was there pressure those type of things and i think he missed one on a throw that was incomplete to Tyler Scott, where he had Chuck out of the backfield, um, either in the second or fourth quarter. Uh, but I mean, ten incompletions, four four balls that I would say were were drops. Yeah. And then you know you're going to miss on some throws. You know, it's just the nature of the beast. You know, you're not going to go, you know, perfect otherwise. But, right. um. But yeah, I just I liked the passing, and maybe that was more so because of the way Navy wants to play defense with being more aggressive. You're not gonna have as many developing. I think they they pressure and then they drop. So like they want to force you to get the ball out quick, and then they don't let guys run by them because they know that they don't have the size and the speed exactly. at corner that UC does, and most of their opponents do. So they're they're not gonna blitz and play man uh, press because then you're just gonna throw it. You're going to take three steps, throw it, and have your guy try to run under it. So I thought the offensive game plan was good to combat that. Um, again, a, very little from the running game I mean, from a snap count. I mean, I think they only ran it like 14 or 16 true runs. 
but they still need to get better. Um, it still needs to be more efficient when you do do use it. Um, you know, with the wind not being what we thought, I thought it was smart to pass the way they did because Navy is not a good pass defense. You can, if you can block them, they're not a good pass defense. So. Right. Yeah, they ended up with McClellan had 11 carries. Ryan Montgomery had four. Uh, Corey Kiner is still on the team. He had one carry. Uh, so that's 15, 16 true runs uh, for 69, 71 yards. Yeah, if I mean, they had... Take out the other stuff. There was a lot of green offensively on game on paper. Obviously, the one yeah, or light, purple was run, green. but I mean... Six basically six yards of play. That's average. Success rate was was much better than it has been. Yards per dropback was good. Um, Still atrocious on third down. Yeah, they're just it's just a struggle. I mean, it's what it is. What it is. Right. <laughs> like, I think at, I think at this point we know that's what we're getting. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, and here's the thing: it's like again, and I don't know, like. I don't know how much it goes like around like at the stadium, but obviously Twitter, like the, he's not a flashy quarterback. He's not like, I mean, if, here, if you, if you want, if you really watch that game and you got like serious problems with the way he been played yesterday, then like, I got nothing for you at this point. Right. Like he played significantly better than he has the last several games made several, several, uh, really good throws. Um, like I just don't. I don't know what. It, I don't know what else you want. Like, at the, like this game. Like, I'm fine with what you want. You know, you you want to see more Evan after the last couple of weeks. I said it myself. Yeah, we talked about that very very in depth last week. Um, and look, like Ben Bryant is a guy that you know he. I, I made him the first half offensive MVP because I thought when he when he doesn't show up, it's you know it it's out. Like there's nothing to like fall back on. It's you're not gonna be able to fix it. Um, and that showed last week. Uh, he he wasn't stupendous last week, and he didn't do what we needed to do to win. This week, he I mean like you said, he's twenty five to thirty five, um, two ninety nine, eight and a half yards per per play, per per pass. Two touchdowns. What else do you want? Yeah, they I mean, won they the game. Didn't, they didn't have the drives. Um, you know, you only if you only really get eight drives. Yeah, in the second half, they didn't. They had the one touchdown in the third quarter and didn't didn't get things going again in the fourth quarter. But when you're playing against a team like Navy, though, that you, you take what take what you can get because they they play so strange. They play a, just a different kind of football I mean it's like it's very irritating hold the ball as long as possible try not to give your offense time to do anything keep it close like I said at the top of the show the team last year only beat Navy by a touchdown maybe in my 10 points this year yeah it's just like it's, I just I kind of is. take the Navy game as just a total one off an and if you, you just you just want to win like it's it's very hard to like parse through it and and try to take that and what that means and stuff like that because it's just it's such a one off outlier type of a game. Um, 
but I just thought that the, I thought of the things that I had been talking about and wanting to see areas that they could attack defenses, get in more of a rhythm. Um, you know, again, in the first quarter, they moved the ball well, but got, you know, got bogged down in, in the red zone, had a drop on, you know, a play burst down inside the 10 yard line. Um, but I just thought it was a better plan of attack, a better game plan to get your quarterback more into a rhythm, get, you know, get your receivers in more advantageous positions to catch the ball, you run after the catch, uh, stuff like that. So again, maybe just, I just don't, I don't take a ton from it in the moment of, like, what does this mean for ECU? It means very, very little to nothing for ECU. I mean, hopefully, may, maybe it's kind of a, a sign of of a little change in philosophy as far as like taking that that easy the easy gimmies here and there, um, and not not trying to wait for everything to be these like slow developing down the field kind of plays. Uh, I would I would hope that maybe we we move that direction because I think that this team is a little more successful when they when they can keep their foot on the gas and keep some of the, the, the plays rolling and then hit the downfield plays. Obviously, the running game, we need to see a little bit more there to open that over-the-top, you know, hit Tyler Scott because now we know that he's likely all the way back. Um, yeah, I just, like, Jade, I think Jaden Thompson's really starting to round in as I whatever you want to call him, second, third receiver, other outside receiver. Um, Another target. Yeah. I mean, they, they just, you know, this thing with the available yards, like they just need to be more consistent. It can't be, you know, three and out or touchdown. And they did a better job of that. And you just have so many limited, more limited, I mean, eight, eight possessions is like an unbelievably low number. And we'll get into that a little bit with the defense and, um, you know, what they did and di- and didn't do that contributes to that. But, like, I think the the biggest takeaway I have is there was more quick game stuff. Now, was that predicated because of what Navy does? And just change ben, ben, Ben's completion percentage and just overall – Gameplay I felt was better, and again that might be because there was more easy throws, right? You know, so maybe given more easy throws, especially early, and because you know teams are game like ECU is definitely going to game plan to be like they like to hit explosives. They their passing game is is this type of a passing game. So like get the easy stuff and and work from there, but. You know, what did you think of, of how the defense did uh, against the against the vaunted triple option? Well, I thought they stuffed it up the middle pretty well. Um, Dante Corleone is going, I mean, he already is, but he is going to be just an unreal player. I mean, he's, he's still PFF's highest graded defensive player in the country. And it's crazy. and that's not changing after this week. I mean, he had an awesome game. Eleven tackles. Uh, he was shedding shedding blocks. There was one play he made the tackle on where he ju- 
The guy tried to cut him and he jumped over him. He you can't do that eating eight Cholitos after a game. No, he said he said uh he said after the game he told Justin Williams because Justin was like, How many how many uh, Cholitos are you gonna have to celebrate, you know, your eleven tackles? And he was like, uh high school Dante would have had eight or nine. Uh, but Brady probably only wants me to have like two. I wish, so I wish he like would have said, I wish he would have said one for each tackle. Right. Like <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to look at the name of the guy tackled and then I'm going to eat the Cholito. Um, but no, no, like you said, I mean, him and Briggs combined for 20 tackles and the fullback dive. We, we talked about that Wednesday night, you know, on the, on the BCJ pod previewing the game. Everything starts with the, with that play because you need to, try to keep them out of, you know, second and six, second and five. And they did a pretty good job. 24 of those by those two guys for 72 yards. So three yards a play on those. Um, I I was expecting a little bit more outside stuff with Xavier Arline. And they, they tried at the beginning. And I think maybe they got scared. They got spooked a little bit because on that first drive on third down, they went with, you know, the, the true – option to the outside and we we snuffed it out and stopped it so they didn't oh, yeah. really do that as much as i thought they would um pace for, for pace jr ivan 14 tackles sack, two tackles for loss and you like with the way that the triple option is is like it didn't even seem like he was had that much that big of a game um but you just compile so many tackles when they are in inside like that just and then uh Eric Phillips, he had a half tackle for loss. Jabari Taylor back with a sack and a tackle for loss. Uh, Juwan Briggs, he was credited with a half of a tackle for loss. Just not, not a lot of things going on in the backfield. They just yeah, were yeah. stopping at the point of attack and you know limiting it to a yard. A yard, right. You're just not going to get tackles for loss against them because yeah. they're just always – they're cut blocking you. And they're always falling for, like, always coming forward, especially and, with the, and the game plans to, That game plan is just to keep them there so that they end up in a, a third and long and like a traditional yeah. passing down where they just don't really know how, how to operate there. I think they threw six passes the whole game. What about ending up with both Briggs and Corleone on top of you at the same time? Because that happened a couple times. I don't want anything to do with that. I think they were they were getting worn out. Like in the second half, like almost every play on their touchdown drive, they had a guy go, go out. Um, <laughs> but Xavier Arline, you know, quarterback, he had his two best runs on pass plays that ended up being scrambles. He had a 27 yard run and a 32 yard run on. I, was gonna say, I think on, on both of those, it, it seemed like, our guys got pressure so fast into the backfield that, and they overran it. And then, oh, like, for, oh, for sure, you know what I mean. Was, he, had, uh, he had no interest in throwing the ball, and like as soon as like the pressure was there almost immediately, which then made him just say, "I'm just going to run," which hurt, which then hurt us because, right? You know, if the pressure's not instantly, maybe he stays back there a little bit, or maybe he throws the ball because he's de- he definitely is not a thrower. Their third stringer came in, and, and obviously. He was much better of a thrower, but he had four, like I guess forty-eight runs, forty-eight yards on the other ten carries. I thought they did an okay job. I mean, one hundred seventy-six net yards rushing against a team that averages two forty is pretty darn good. I mean, their long they their longest true running play. Like I'm, yes, those quarterback runs 
are running plays, but like they were not designed to be running plays. So their longest true running play out of the option was 12 yards. I'll take that. So that's that's pretty good. And I, I guess this is where like when you're watching the game live in the stadium, I was frustrated in in our inability to get off the field. But then you go back and you look at it after the fact, and of their seven true drives, we forced three three and outs. So, like, that's what you want. But then on the other four drives, you know, they have 10 points and almost all their time of possession. You have a seven-minute, 51-second drive is a blocked field goal. Five-minute drive, field goal. Eight-and-a-half-minute drive, touchdown. And then their drive at the end, 5-14, and a, and a missed field goal. Again, you know, six to 14 on third down, two to two on fourth down. So you're basically letting – that's the problem is you're basically letting them go 50% on on that. And on just some of those drives, you know, couldn't get the, couldn't get the stops. We did a good job in the red zone defensively, which had been a problem recently, not allowing them touchdowns. Um, but that's mm. where you could get the ball back to your offense, but they were just able to kind of sustain those drives, and it was more of like a bend, don't break, break defense. And yeah, I'd rather see that than them uh, giving up those touchdowns down there. So yeah, that and then you had the the block field goal was uh, was pretty impressive because it was a, it was a pretty short field goal, which typically you know those they you got a kicker that can get the ball elevated pretty quick, and there's no no real shot at at blocking one of those. And uh, I believe it was Briggs that got in there and uh, put his his big paw on it. Yes, so. it was a 25 yard field goal. Yeah, so like typically those start with a trajectory that's pretty difficult to block if you're not uh yes, there's basically not some... an, it's basically an extra point. Right. <laughs> so if, if there's not some breakdown on the line, which apparently there was cuz Juwan Briggs forced his way through and and got his hand up. Um I just defense I will I will give them their tough and nasty back for this game because I I, I was really impressed with what they were able to do, stopping things up the middle, like right now. Like there was no, they, there was just no consistency to what Navy was able to do up the middle. Right. I mean, was, a lot of times you'll see Navy will just keep doing that dive, keep doing the dive, keep doing the dive, and then you relax for like one second and they do it again. And he just, the guy just busted right up the middle for, you know, like 30, 40 yards, something like that. And, and they did, they did a really good job with that. And, you know, they just, that's what I'm saying. I think I'm like, I'm probably being a little picky when you, when I'm talking about like not getting off the field and then allowing them to sustain drives, but then like, yet we talk about how important three and outs are against them. And they did get, um, you know, three out of sevens, basically, you know, 50, 45% or whatever, 40%. So you did a good job there. So, you know, their offense is just, it's going to grind you at times that they're going to make plays. My buddy, one of my buddies texts me over my big Tennessee group chat. And he was like, what is, what is it in, like, what is it like watching the triple option in person? Do you like it? And I'm like, absolutely not. It's like a slog to middle hell. Like it's so boring and, and you like, I love watching the triple as a fan. Like I think more teams should run it to, to even out talent uh, discrepancies, 
But like when it's your team, it's miserable. Yeah. Like it just it sucks the sucks the excitement out of the atmosphere. You know, like once they get to the 50 yard line, they're basically gonna go for it on every fourth down. So you're like, if it's third and three, that really doesn't matter because if they only gain one or two yards, they're still gonna go for it and they'll probably pick it up by by a yard or two. Like it's just it's it has to be tough. And that's what I think you know, Coach Fickle talked about post game. Like the guys really did it, felt like they did a good job, like staying locked in, not getting frustrated with it. Like it has to be frustrating when you know what's coming on pretty much every play and you do a good job and you limit them to like three, four yards, but you know that like that's fine with them. Like they're they're not going to keep doing it over and over again. Like you, yeah, it's like when you, like every other game of the year, right? Like you get a team into say like third and four, third and five, six, seven, whatever. Like you know they're gonna pass, so you can change up your defense. You know you you're going against this, you're trying to stop the pass, whatever. You go against a navy, and it's like third and seven, and they're like, well, that's okay. Like we'll we're gonna try to pick up like three, four yards here, and then it, it'll be you know. Fourth and three. Right. Well, like, we're gonna like their, and we're gonna go for it. Their and... fourth and five play that they hit the long long pass on. Yeah. Like like it... I think Jaquan I think I think they gotta be better, but I totally get like you're still not expecting them to throw it there. No. It's a one man it... route on a on a and the guy threw a really nice ball and you know, whatever credit to them, but like fourth and five, you're still probably expecting them to run some type of option play. Like you know, all year you're like let's let's get off the field let's get off the field you get them into a fourth and whatever and you're like all right cool like we should be able we should be off the field here and then they here they come trotting out their offense again to to pick up three four yards at a at a chunk and then you know you're right back starting over on downs at first and ten again so to, for them to keep it locked in and not get frustrated and allow that dive to you know hit them for three four yards and then break one open where they were able to just stop it at at those short gains very impressive yeah no i agree it seemed like too you know we'll have to we we don't really talk about it but it seemed like they came out of the game pretty clean uh you always are you know worried about the, the toll that especially on your defense that a navy game takes um with the way that you know i'm not going to call it dirty but like the chop blocking and everything like it you know the the style of play is just leans itself to the opportunity for uh unfortunate injuries to occur and they're you know and they're physical and they know they've got to play a certain way to to have a chance and and i totally respect that i would do the same thing if i was in their shoes so but it seems like you know having a short week for a friday night game uh, it seems like, from an injury standpoint, they came out um, about as good as as you could hope. I'm sure there'll be some some training room stuff as the week goes on. And you're in, you know, you're in week 11 now. There's you're not going to be healthy, but Jabari seemed to to be okay. It was nice um, to have him back for this this style game. Oh, absolutely, because it allow. I mean, it allows you to have him, and it allows you to you know who has experience. That's the thing is like. Yes, they've got guys that can go in and and play that position, but it's the experience of playing that offense 
um, that you just need the reps against them. I mean, yes, you can rep it in practice, and I'm sure they do a good job, but, like, it's just different still because you're got Will Adams repping their quarterback does this, like, twice a year, like, for a week in camp and then the week of the game. Like, so his movements and – Decision making is nowhere near to the speed of what Navy is doing. It like they know it like the back of their hand. Like we right. would know our yeah. offense or whatever. So, you know, it's gonna be run at a much different pace and tempo in the play itself. So it's important to have guys out there with the experience that have seen it and and know what it feels like and you know understand what to expect on certain plays. But yeah, I mean, on the defensive line as a whole, I mean, just. Briggs, I feel those centers and guards are not big for Navy, and just having to go against those two dudes on on pretty much every play couldn't could not have been and, could not have been fun. And then you got Corleone, who is also uh, yeah, I mean Briggs and small. Briggs and Dante okay. like up yeah. the middle with the. I know the one fullback got banged up a little bit at one point in the second half. I mean, the, getting tackled by those guys all the time, and then having linebackers you know come flying in at the end and. That's a rough go to be. That's a thankless rough go to be that uh, be that guy for them. Right, like Aaron said, like, do you want those two dudes falling on top of you every single play? No, because I'm only like uh, five eight, and that would break me in half. But uh, it was good to see Ryan Coe, man. I want to give him kudos again. Forty seven yarder, twenty seven yarder. He's really seems to have found his rhythm. Um, and they weren't. They weren't like kicks that just snuck through or one no, he's, like banging, he's banging, like the, they, banging the hell out of the ball right now i mean it and i know like at the beginning whenever he when he first came here um i remember talking to aaron about it um and so i guess some things that he some like conversations he had had with like chad and like seeing the like the ball sounds different coming off his foot like it just he hits it real hard and it seems like he's now got the uh the accuracy part of it uh put together and it's nice to know that hey, if we get into a situation where we need we need him to make a couple kicks, like at this point we can probably probably count on him. Yeah, for sure. And Mason Fletcher, four pods, three inside the twenty, long of fifty nine, forty nine point eight average. I mean, the dude is just he's he's nails. He's been that way all year. I mean, you're you're flipping the field fifty yards. When he had the one. I don't know. There was that one that I, yeah, I didn't even, I bet he would say like it wasn't even a very good kick. There was one where they got the ball and I think started like their 33 or something. And I was like, oh, that, that wasn't very good. But to, then his other kicks were obviously, his other, well, he had the were, one that would, very good. Would have been, he had the one at the end of the first half that would have been downed on the, on the one. one and there was a, like I, I sent oh. Aaron a message because like the, again, this is probably the worst ESPNU broadcast I have ever seen. <laughs> so, you're, so you're telling me not to go back and rewatch it? God, it got worse. Like we sat down and turned it on and like a couple minutes into it, my wife looked at me and was like, something's wrong. Like this doesn't look very like clear. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like whatever. And then my buddy sent me a message and was like, do you think, does it look like this? Like, camera angle from it like that it's out of focus and i was like it does like everything's standard like, standard definition oh theme. god it, it was it was like you know what 480p i mean it was terrible and uh they had they had fixed a little bit of it and then it sounded like one of the announcers 
had his microphone like in his throat so like, <laughs> it sounded like a high school like broadcast it was horrible, horrible. Uh, well glad so, i the, the the positives of being in the stadium i guess but yeah then they had a, a random some form of 15 yard penalty on james Tom- i mean i didn't see it so i don't know well but- that's what i said i sent aaron a message uh that's what i was getting at was the broadcast like was like oh there was a, a penalty and then they like zoomed in on jaheem thomas on the sideline and it was like okay well what happened and they never talked about it like they never said what happened and then i sent aaron a message and he was like nobody up here saw anything like we don't know we don't know what so i don't know if he was like chirping at somebody or or what happened but uh, yeah because that makes it hard for I mean, with them running the option, I mean, they're going to probably just give it to the fullback or move the quarterback, and it's at the end of the half. But, like, it would have been interesting to see if you maybe just could have somehow gotten the safety or something like that. Because it was it was literally, like, inside the one. Oh, yes. So, like, they couldn't only. kneel it. There was no change. Like, you can't kneel that because you'll be giving up a safety. Yeah. I mean, I will, so. I will say, I do, I will say, going back a little bit, I, the two delay game penalties just can't, they can't happen in, in, week nine whatever this was game nine like i don't know if it was i'm sure it's a combination of several things to me it felt like they they call the play and the navy does whatever they do and so then they do the check with me on the sideline and it felt like either that was coming in late or ben wasn't processing what navy was doing fast enough because it almost felt like he would get the call and then stand there looking at the defense and I'm like, snap the ball. Like you've had enough time to get the secondary call to see what they're now in and process like, okay, this is now where I'm going to go with it. And then he just like, kind of like froze and like just didn't snap, didn't have it snap. So I don't, it's never as simple as this person's fault or whatever, because we don't know. I mean, maybe they were slow signaling in the play. Maybe, Maybe someone was moving and he has to wait for them to get set or it's a you know legal procedure penalty yep. or maybe he's just not processing the play and then seeing the new defensive look fast enough. But that just that shit just cannot happen, happen. especially happen. on one drive. Like it can't happen in this part of the season with with a veteran quarterback with like everybody just get needs the operation needs to just be a lot better. So I'm not going to cast blame on a particular person because we obviously don't know the reason for those things, but it just seems like something that should not be happening at this point. But a lot, and, and a lot of that kind of seems. I know we talked about it kind of at the beginning, but like a lot of that seems like maybe that was what was going on on that, that final drive of the, the first half where it was like, are, are we going to do this? Are we going for it? Are we not going to be going for it? Like, which, which play do we need to run here? And they were just kind of like in this no man's land of like standing around looking at each other. And it's like, right, okay, just kneel it out. Just, just in, in the half. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, the they, room. they would definitely like, they like to bring their pressures up late and crowd the line and make you, you know, especially if you have a run play, make you check out of that. But it felt like, to me, at least, it felt like they showed that in enough time for us to then make Check our adjustment it. and get the playoff in time. Um, it yeah. just the the operation just felt slow. You know, it obviously was because they took two delayed game penalties. 
<laughs> so it was, was slow. Um, but, you know, just an annoying thing when you, because you can't get in these like longer down and distances against them. Um, it, you just got to maximize your possessions. And, you know, for the most part they did, but just, you know, again, some, some stuff that I think is just the, all these little things just kind of add up to why we're in this like inconsistency of, especially offensively, just a lot of new pieces, you know, I thought Mets played well as, as, as a new piece coming in. Um, but you're just, you got a lot of new new guys stepping into much, much larger roles. And even in this part of the season, you're still, everybody takes different paces to get to <clears throat> where they, where you want them to be. I mean, some guys hit the ground running, some guys it takes a little while. So I think yeah. we're still seeing that. And it was nice to be back in Nippert Stadium, I will say that. Although, I'm going to need to have a conversation with, with some people. Uh -huh. Um I had the confetti cannons confiscated at security for the first time. Apparently. That's unacceptable. I agree. I mean, they're confetti cannons. Everybody loves them. It's a lot of fun. Everybody in my section was like, where are the cannons? So I had to tell the story about nine times. <laughs> um, like they stole them. But apparently these new metal detector things that we walk through, the foil on the cannons that keeps the confetti in them set, sets it off. So we're going we're gonna to need to figure because I said this this is bad karma. No, you can't, like we've been you can't we've been rolling those. confetti cannons for two years and been pretty darn good. Did you try to have? Did you try to like have a conversation with them about like listen? <laughs> I, I need to get this in. Are you, are you asking me if I like? Almost did the. Do you know who I am? <laughs> I mean, maybe introduce him to his friend Andrew Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I don't right. think the three people. I was just happy that they didn't like. weren't like you have to leave. You should have. You should have just taken off running into the. <laughs> like, catch me if you can. Uh, I do have an idea though. So okay, I do. Well, I do have not... an idea to to circumvent these rules. Which I don't know if that's a good or bad thing that might get me like in more in more trouble. But I, like I do. The confetti cannon guys back. I do. Someone in the section next to us had not silly string, but like some sort of streamers that they set off when when they scored one of the touchdowns. So I, you know, this is. I feel like I'm being singled out. I'm being profiled. Yep, as the 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 confetti cannon guy. Yes, but uh, it was nice to be back in Nippert. It'll be nice to be back Friday night. It should be a good, good atmosphere. I'm all blacks, I'm, I'm sure. Nip at night for the only time this year, uh, probably. But Natalie wants to know if you'll bring in, if you can bring in a pinata. Everybody loves a pinata. We've had pinatas at the uh, tailgate before. But but not. I don't know if, in, it's a good, I don't know if I can get the, to... sneak the pinata in like a baseball bat in right. in my sh in my shorts <laughs> and I mean like I got five I get five of these things into the game every week just in my shirt sleeves and in my shorts and then they snuffed them out this time. <laughs> I just I just imagine you walking through and they're like, sir, step over here, like, let me pat you down and take off all of your confetti cannons. <laughs> it was it was a scene. But everybody, oh. everybody around was laughing and giving them a hard time for for taking, for taking them away. The, 
we're taking those All right. yes um i do want to bring up a, a point quickly on uh ben bryant doug smith uh was in my brain last night after the game and started tweeting out like lots of things that i was thinking about but uh he came up with these stats this morning and he said at ben bryant's current pace he uh this is where he will rank in bearcats single season history assuming he plays 13 games uh passing attempts would be at 433 which is second all time uh completions 274 first all time yards uh 3406 second all time uh 63.3 completion percentage which would be sixth and 26 touchdown passes which would be fifth at his current pace assuming 13 games so as you know kind of pedestrian as it may seem uh week in and week out uh he he is taking care of business i agree i agree i think you know the quarterback always gets a large chunk of the blame when when things go poorly uh but oh, i think absolutely. he then deserves to get some of the the shine when he plays well and, and i thought he played well yesterday i do want to say natalie I, this is a conversation that will be have will be had i will be discussing with mr ryan royer uh how he can possibly engineer some sort of uh bypass to this security system that I actually, this is the this is the ironic part. On fan council, I have been pushing for better security uh, because you know that's as, why they singled you out. And then now it bites me in my own ass because I can't even get my confetti cannons through. Like not as come on, tone the security down, guys. Like you know, let's go back Look. to the old security where I used to just bring in like four beers at a time. You know through just straight into the game they're like there's the guy oh they've got a picture of you and they're like make sure you up the security on i'm him like so danny i'm like danny ocean in oceans 11 they got like all the they all got pictures of me as i like come into the stadium well they will now i gotta try now a new you, maybe i gotta try a new gate maybe now that's, that, now that's you've it. been caught with contraband trying to come into the the game with it they're like no, you have your own gate that you have to come in now, and <laughs> and it's uh they're gonna have a TSA like X-ray machine. Of all the things, of all the things that people sneak in, bust me for my confetti confetti cannons. cannons. Oh well, uh, it was a good it was a good run. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> it, was uh, a, it was a good run, <laughs> but uh, I think that that pretty much wraps up Navy. Um, like we said earlier. It's just a it's a tough game to to really shine in the way that it, it is played um and i'm very glad that we likely don't ever have to play them again my mom just sent me a text message and said tell dave i have some that have paper on the ends they oh. might work Ooh, that's that's the thing maybe i need to check on on amazon like really need to go digging for for what kind of you know are you called to come do you do foil or paper <laughs> Right. Uh, confetti cannons. This is not going to work. Oh, Lord. Yeah, send all suggestions to <laughs> at David and Simone on Twitter. Um, Steve says, well, 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 if it isn't just the consequences of my own actions. Yeah, I pretty much did it to myself. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, things happen. But anyway, yeah. uh, we're going to totally bypass the Tennessee game. That didn't happen. And we're going to talk uh, about Alabama losing, well, right? Wait, wait a minute. I didn't even get. A, I didn't really get to watch the Georgia Tennessee game. My my brother in law 
uh, is a big Tennessee fan uh, due to his wife going there. So he was sending updates on that, and it is what it is. I'm happy to not see a single second of it. Yeah, uh, I guess there there was a point uh, at the beginning. Stetson Bennett, uh, when he scored his first touchdown, like put the 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 phone the hand phone signal to his head because I guess his phone number got leaked overnight the night uh, Friday into Saturday. Oh, and, really? And Tennessee fans were like calling his phone <laughs> like all night, so he had to like turn it off. So when he scores touchdown, he did that. But other than that, I mean, when you think about it, it it's an Tennessee still has probably the best resume of any team in the country. Are they going to be the number one team again? No. Um, at least not this week. And uh, Georgia probably will be, but 8-1 and one in the SEC. And the most important thing is that Alabama did lose because even though they lost to Tennessee, when you look at the way that the SEC set up, that really wasn't, didn't really affect like their season or ability to get into the college football playoff, in my opinion, because they could still get to the SEC championship game, potentially win that, and then still go to the CFP and not, uh, and the the loss to Tennessee wouldn't have mattered. No, Al- it, Alabama. And, I mean, Tennessee is not gonna <clears throat> not gonna be anybody good when Hendon Hooker, you know, goes twenty three for thirty three for one ninety five and an interception. Like they're that's just not they're not gonna beat anybody. But but they um. Yeah, with Alabama and Clemson losing, like they they still definitely have a shot to make the playoff. And Ohio State did not look good at all yesterday. Now, granted, it was in like a hurricane wind and you know, a little bit of rain, but Northwestern's run defense is like 111th in the country. Yeah. And for the majority of the game, Ohio State couldn't move the ball at all on the ground. And then they, they only end up winning twenty one to seven. So Yeah, I mean you're look you're start, things are starting to, you know, shape up to the sense of like, you know, LSU, they have two SEC games left. I think it's Arkansas and A and M. They win those, they're in the play they're in the SEC championship game against Georgia. So you have Georgia, you have LSU, you have Tennessee. Ohio State and Michigan, Texas A&M, or not Texas A&M, uh, TCU, and I guess either you, I guess USC, and then maybe Oregon. So you're kind of, you know, you're kind of starting to, even with three weeks left, you're kind of down to like eight or nine teams, I would say, that have a truly, truly have a realistic shot at the playoff. Yeah. And uh, several of those, you know, obviously Ohio State and Michigan are still going to play each other. LSU and Georgia are more than likely going to play each other. Um, I mean, Tennessee, you obviously want to win and go to the conference championship, but, like, you have three very, very winnable games next, and you're 11-1 and one with, you know, a win against a team that now – might be going to the SEC championship in LSU. You know, plus is, you, is Tennessee not able to get? I, I didn't look. No, because Georgia, if Georgia wins out there, and the they they beat them, oh, so yeah, they'll be in they're the, on the, Yeah, okay. They'll be in the SEC championship game, um, but you'll have wins over LSU, 
Alabama. So their, their resume is still, like I said, their resume is still the best in the country. Florida win is decent. The Pitt win is decent. Um, so uh, Joshua thinks we're headed to two Big Ten and two SEC teams in the CFP. That is, it's hard for me to see that happening because if whoever wins, whoever loses the Michigan Ohio State game and doesn't go to the Big Ten championship, they're in the same boat as Tennessee, right? Like 11 and 1, not in conference championship. But if you compare resumes of Tennessee, we'll just say Tennessee and say Ohio State beats Michigan. Who is Michigan? Like, what is Michigan's resume compared to Tennessee's? It's not. You might I mean, as well not even. You can't. You can't even. You. It's not even comparable. So, if you're talking about putting a one-loss team that didn't make the conference championship in the in the playoff, I don't know how you would put. And Ohio State's resume isn't good either. So, even if Michigan beat, no. they haven't. Been, I mean, who have their their resume is not anything special from a who that you who have you beaten standpoint. Um, and then you, you, you're still potentially going to have an undefeated Big 12 champion. You could. I mean, I think it's going to. I mean, TCU's got to play Texas uh, coming up, and then they got to play Baylor and, and Iowa State. Plus the, the Big, Big plus the Big 12 championship. Yeah. If they go undefeated, I would be surprised. Like, they're playing well at times. They get down in these games and come back. They did it again yesterday against Texas, a or Texas Tech. Um, I'd be pretty surprised at this point if they went. 13 and 0. And, but I think, I mean, if they do, like you, you can't not. Oh, for sure. In, right? I mean, for sure. A, I mean, and, and USC is kind of, USC is in that boat. I mean, they're not out of it by any stretch. Yeah. They're, they're, they could be a one loss Pac 12 champion, or, and as could Oregon. Right. So, and th this is a, this is one of, this is like the year that really uh, cements that playoff expansion. Yeah. Like you've got a, you got a, a pretty good. I mean, obviously there is there there is a tier of teams at the very top, um, and it's or, uh, Georgia, and then below that you've got Tennessee, who's pretty close there. I would even though they right didn't look at yesterday necessarily, but from their resume, and then you've got this like crowded group of like four, five, six teams that. You can kind of pick and choose at who's going to go into the and that's the, that's the thing with the, with the playoff that like yes obviously from a UC fan perspective we want the expanded playoff and I get the argument of like Alabama can lose twice and still make the playoff yeah they probably can and that's to me that's that's an even trade for being in this part of the season and still having like twenty five teams that have a chance to make the playoff and oh. I think it's junk that, like, I won't even use Tennessee as the example. I'll use Oregon. Like, say Oregon wins out, wins the Pac-12, but doesn't make the playoff, and their only loss is the first week of the season to the best team in the country. Right. Well, I saw a stat yesterday type of where, like, deserve to play in a, in a playoff situation, like, that you lost one game all year, the very first week, to the best team in the country, and you're out of playoff consideration. Like that to me is ludicrous and nuts. And like immediately out of play. I mean, like you might as well not even play the rest of the season. Yeah. 
Exactly. And that and that's where like so like I mean we're seeing it already where like you know some of these teams who were maybe thought to be like oh going into the season they're going to be good or you have a chance at this and that and then like some things fall apart early on and then you've got like this mass exodus of players into the transfer portal like you know four weeks into the season whereas if you've got a chance of like okay well we lost this game in this game but like as long as we win out we have a chance of being one of the you know eight or 12 or whatever they expand it to like teams to be in the playoff and you're not going to have, you know, maybe you don't run into that issue of a bunch of teams or a bunch of kids hitting the transfer portal midway through the season. Um, but the the other stat I saw a stat on uh, on Twitter about how like Oregon obviously was held to like three points against Georgia in the first week, and since then they're averaging like forty some odd points, forty eight points or something a game. And then you know Tennessee, the same thing where like they've been. You know, their offense has been explosive and crazy, and then they play Georgia, and Georgia the, holds them to 13 points and, like, no yards. And, the Bo Nix experience, dude, five touchdowns or more in three straight games. Like, I wonder if Auburn could use a quarterback like that. Maybe. <laughs> uh, did you see the, the LSU-Alabama game? I will, I will ask you this. I did. Did you watch it? Of were course, you, of course. Uh, I didn't know if you were, like, sad. No, um, no. I don't. I don't get that way. I don't. I'm. I'm not paid enough for my sports right. team. I'm not paid anything really. Uh, this site, yes, but like, I'm not paid in uh, any amount of money that would make me like care so much that it like ruins my day, whatever. But um, try to keep it within the three to four hour. What did you think of, of of Brian Kelly going for it? Going I for the it. two. I did. I. I said it instantly i was like you go for two i will go on Just, record as saying like go go for two i will you look like the, the thing is is like do you do you really want to give alabama another chance to like so you score on one play right like alabama ends up down there i thought that pass was tipped i thought we were going to be talking about tip gate this morning um <laughs> and it it didn't end up mean mattering but like you know your defense did what they could, ends up penalty, whatever. Alabama scores, they kick the field goal. You score on the first play of overtime. Your first overtime possession, right. you score. Then you have to come right back out if you kick the field goal to tie it. Right. So why not ride that wave of, like, we just scored. Like, their guys have got to be on their heels a little bit. And then I thought they, I thought they called up a great play. Did you hear him say that they? It's the same play they ran when he was at Notre Dame against Florida State. Uh, I didn't hear that. Week one, a few years ago, when uh, when they called him for offensive pass interference, and he was like, "I knew they weren't going to call it this time." <laughs> <laughs> I did. I I did not hear that. And one. That was like, that's Jason Taylor's kid. That's that, the, t- uh, the Ma- tight end. That Mason. The, the Mason kid. Mason Taylor. Yeah. Is that his uh-huh. name? Yeah. Uh, he was a, he's a, a true freshman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He makes the catch at the end of regulation that, that put him ahead that then forced Alabama to go down and, and get a field goal, which if you think back to that, they went for two and didn't get it. And if they had just kicked the field goal, they could have kicked the field goal to win the game right. at the end of regulation. Lots of things going on with that. Saving slipping, man. 
Yeah, well, time, to, time to hang him up. I think Tennessee broke him whenever he <laughs> when he when he threw that tantrum on the sideline, uh, Neyland Stadium. I think yeah. he, I think it, it broke him. Um, but when so my my oldest son, Ooh. he's nine. He he came downstairs. He's watching the game with me, and so he's like trying to pick some things apart as he's like learning football and is you know whatever. It played two years now and he's trying to put it all together, and he's like. They should just go for two here. Just win the game. And I was Some, like sometimes that's simple. I was like, I like that. Let's let's see it. And then he's like, They are, Dad, they're going for two. And I was like, That's kind of Brian Kelly though. Like he's you got coaching the SEC. Like right, exactly. Uh he you know, Brian Kelly, like for as much as like this fan base here has like ire and like hatred and whatever, like it's there. Even if it's just below the surface, oh, people he's can't... a general, generally terrible human being, but right, he's like, also an unbelievable football coach. Like, for in that situation to be like, look, here you go. This is the play we're going to run. Get out there, make it happen. And they still, like, they could have snapped it early and moved it forward a couple, like, half the distance to the goal because Alabama had like. 13, 14 players on the field. Uh, I don't know what that was all like coming out of a timeout. Oh they yeah. Then they, had, like, they ran the one guy off late. Cause they still had too many yeah, players on. It, it was, it was ridiculous. They were so confused. Like it was pretty obvious whenever that happened, when they came out of the timeout and they were still like Alabama still wasn't like ready to go, which is a, totally not an Alabama thing to be like undisciplined at that point. Like where you're coming out of a timeout with 14 guys on the field and the, I, at that point, you could tell that like whatever LSU was about to do was going to work, and it was a fantastic play call. That kid catches it and then falls backwards into the end zone. You're like, celebrate because Alabama lost. And then actually, Brian Kelly was uh was pretty emotional in the post game interview with was uh, he? Yeah, he there was like tears welling up. He's like oh. the 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 girl that's interviewing him was like, this is very unlike you, and he was like. Yeah, yeah, I just, you know, gave the whole coach speak about, you know. He's grown low, so close low, to his new family in, you know, his eight, family. Eight, eight, eight months that, you uh, know. And then uh, uh, I think it was Lil Wayne tweeted out something at the end. It was like, I really hope he uses the, uh, I really hope he busts out that accent on the at the podium. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Lil I didn't, Wayne I didn't, did? Yeah, I, I didn't see any of the, uh, any of the, uh, the post-game, like, stuff, but. Outside of like when they they rush the field, so you know they'll get they'll get their they'll get their fine from the SEC, and I'm sure they will happily pay it uh, as Tennessee did. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Um, Marcus Freeman, I think he's I think he's got it rolling at ND now. That was a that was a different ND crowd than than they're used to seeing. I think I mean they were fired up. He's got that putt block game going too, Brian Mason. Whoa. They've been they've been blocking punts left and right, and they they punched they punched Clemson in the mouth, and Clemson had no idea what to do. No, they like they they put him on the mat with that punt block, and Clemson never got back up. I mean, it was unbelievable. And the the defense I tweeted it out last night. This is the Marcus Freeman defense I expected to see at Notre Dame, and obviously it's going to take like some time to change philosophy, just like it just like it did here. You know, when, when Luke Fickle got here and he's changing the whole philosophy and, and like thought process of the program and the way that things are going to go, Marcus Freeman, though he was there, he was only there for a year and he wasn't the guy. 
He wasn't in charge uh, of the program as a whole. And when he took over, and it's going to take some time for him to get the things together and get things put in place the way he wants them to go. And their defense was firing on all cylinders, and it was a thing of beauty to watch. It'll, like, be, it'll definitely be interesting to see the, the USC-Notre Dame game. Uh, yeah, I, I always forget that, that game's coming up. at Because, like, USC's been, you know, dog water for so long. That, like, Oh, yeah. Well, it, it, It'll be a good one. I'm not gonna. I don't want to steal Aaron and Aaron's famous segment tonight. I just want to say mm. that I saw. I did not see one single play of the Central Florida Memphis game. Oh, not yeah, one. Okay. I did not see one play. That said, that's not the game I thought you were going to bring up. I know, no, I'm, I'll get to that one. But that said, <laughs> I'm on this podcast right now, calling for the firing of Memphis head coach Ryan Silverfield because in a <laughs> in a 21-21 game. In the third quarter, on fourth and 15 from the UCF 39, what do you think he does? Did he go for it? He went for it. That's not That's not even excusable. Obviously didn't get it. UFC go, UCF goes right down the field and scores. And from that point on, they basically were up seven, went up 14, went back up seven. Like, if I'm a fan of theirs, that isn't they're not having a good season already. Like get him get him out of there. You're obviously not attempting like a 57 yard like in a close game, in a tie game. Why are you not like what are you doing? Like what do you think the chances are that you're going to convert 4th and 15 versus punting and making the team, you know, do you have a do they have a halfway decent punter? I have no idea. Like can you get it inside the 15-yard line from there? Like, I know that like, – I just – oh, I, I saw it on my phone as I'm like – I'm like, what in the hell are you doing? Well, and then – so then Memphis I, – I watched the very end of it because uh, it was it was like 35-21, and I'm like, nah, whatever. And then it happened to be, I think, like the only thing that was like on – at right. that exact moment. So I was like, no, I'll see the end of it. And, you know, Memphis is able to go down and score and make it a, a one-score game. Then they UCF gets the ball, and they have them at third, third and nine. Let me look at this real quick. Yep, third and nine. And they – it was like a little bit of a busted play, and they give up a, a little 10-yard pass. I mean, and, I, I don't know if John Rice Plumley gets his job back. Like, Mikey Keene's – just like a, a different human being than what we saw last year. I mean, he was balling yesterday too. So you, I mean, and Memphis, like Memphis legitimately had a chance to go back down and, and tie the game up, at, like to stop them and have like a significant amount of time, like, you know, like two and a half minutes or so, uh, three minutes somewhere in there yeah. where they would have gotten the ball back and had a chance to go down and tie the game. And they give up, you know, a third and nine. I saw a UCF poll today that I voted in just for fun. And uh, it was if John Rice Plumley is back, do you want him or Mikey Keene to start? And 89% when I voted was Mikey Keene. Oh, for sure. They've been out on Plumley like oh, uh, a good well, majority of them. Since, since the 70 burger, he hung up on. Been out on them for a while. But uh, here, here I'm going to ask. We'll get to the, the one game. I think Dana Holgerson is still drinking Red Bull and vodka as we speak. Um, what's the funnier stat to you? The 140 total points 
Or Tanner Mordecai, nine touchdown passes, nine incompletions. Uh, the the total points. <laughs> I, I think it's crazier. Like, you know, we, like you, you look at that and you look at like, you look at our fan base, like, you know, throwing a fit left and right because the team this year isn't uh, better than the greatest team to ever play at UC. And then you look at a team that's given up 56 points and seven touchdown passes in the first half. The over-under like, for the game <laughs> was 65 and a half. It, the, they hit 91 at halftime. Like, that that could be us. We could be that. I think Miami has gone something like like 18 drives or something without a touchdown. Like We did that back uh, when, when, when a certain was someone here. was the offensive yeah. court. But, like... I don't know what the hell happened at Houston because, like, Doug Belk is their defensive coordinator, and they had a pretty damn good defense last year, and they didn't replace every single guy. And he was, like, a hot head coaching candidate. Like, it was a big deal that they kept him last year from taking, like, a defensive coordinator job at a a much, you know, whatever you want to call it, Power 5 school. And their defense has just been atrocious. Obviously, you're – I mean, like – SMU SMU needed some needed their starting quarterback to get hurt, and you know some. No, I'm not going to say weird, but like a bunch of penalties to make a game out of the game at home against UC, where they had 15, you know, whatever, 14 points for three quarters, and they score 70. Is it 70? Did they score 77? I don't even know what the it final. Was 77. It was 77. The. I don't know, maybe Aaron's probably gotten his 77 notes. 63. Yeah, 77 to 63. So really what we didn't know is uh they actually played one of those super secret basketball scrimmages and that's what that was. SMU averaged 74 points a game last year in basketball. Well, their football team scored 77. <laughs> like 21 points in the first quarter, 35 points in the second quarter. And then they scored one touchdown in the third quarter and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I mean, what what are your what are your meetings like today with your like coaching staff? I just think you don't have any. I just think like, you, you, what, you just, what happened, guys? Like you gave up seventy seven. You bought like we this, scored this, six we scored sixty three <laughs> points and we're never in the game. Right? Like you, <laughs> I think I think what you do with this is you put everything in a box and you put it inside of a burn barrel and you set it on fire and you forget about it. Clayton Toon had 527 passing yards. I did not see that coming. Like Houston and he had, had been seven playing, touchdowns. Houston had been playing a lot better and I thought they were going to like I thought they might be a problem because of only having one loss and not having to play UC UCF and they had already lost the two lanes. So, like, I was like, man, they've got to, I mean, they got to go to East Carolina. Like, but like, I mean, where do you, where do you go after you give up 77? Like, where do you, like, what is your week of practice like? Like, what, what are you, what? I think, I think you go to a different topic because you're stepping on all of my toes right now. Oh, I have to do I'm this sorry. stupid segment for all 20 right. minutes about God knows what else. And you've already well, covered two of the games. Well, you can talk Temple USF. Kill Temple, me now. Temple scored fifty-four. Then you know, talk about that. I don't know. I, I won't. I won't 
throw it out anymore. All right, we're, we're done. We don't, we don't want to ruin Aaron's favorite part of the week. Right. So, trying to get him out of the, trying to get him out of the, the uh, night. Yeah, maybe you can do a, a shorter one. So <laughs> I don't know. That's awful. Um, we will we will transition then. We will save save Aaron for his, uh, his big segment tonight. We will transition to Bearcats in the NFL. Uh the, the Eagles still ain't no. Uh you know, Travis or Jason Kelsey. Zero sacks. Allowed. What was the stat and how many pass sets or whatever? Oh, I don't, I didn't see that. I don't know. He's fat Batman. Uh, he's walking fat Batman, sec, fat Batman, sexy Batman has right? not given up a sack in 607 consecutive pass blocking snaps. 607. That's uh, pretty good. And he's probably the greatest podcast host of all time. And he's only done it for like three months. I know like Chad brought that up. He was like, how is it possible? Like, the dude's just—he's incredible. And then you look at uh, you look at uh, Sauce Gardner again. The dude is unreal. Uh, ninety ninety point nine uh, from PFF, the highest coverage grade in single coverage. He still hasn't given up a touchdown. Um, well, yeah. Here's like next gen stats. Sauce Gardner in man coverage as nearest coverage defender. Yards allowed, 13, NFL rank first. Yards per snap allowed, 0.2, first. Yards per target allowed, 0.9, first. Pass defensed, five, tied for first. Ranks among 46 cornerbacks, minimum 50 such snaps. Unbelievable. Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Through eight games, uh, four forced fumbles, most in the NFL, 226 coverage snaps, 257 yards allowed. 33 total tackles. Just wait until they start playing that real offense. The, 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 right. N, the NFL plus offenses? Just wait. I was going to say that, that's the, that was, <laughs> I tweeted it out, like the PFF thing on Sauce. Uh, with all of his ridiculous stuff that you just went over. And I'm like, hey, Aaron, are we still waiting uh, for him to play better competition? Like, is that what's going on or, or what? Like, the, he's unreal. And oh, it's yeah. not even, it's not even like, it's not even like something, you know, like sometimes you get these like guys like on offense or whatever, and you kind of figure out like what they're doing and like how to exploit it or whatever. Like, he's a, he, He's the guy that is figuring out how to exploit all of these new def- like these new offenses that he's not seeing. These like there was a play last week where he he blew up the he read the screenplay immediately and was already there as soon as the guy got it. And it, I, yeah. I just don't I don't know what else to say about him. Like Sauce is incredible. Kobe's having a great year. Um, Alec Pierce had three receptions for sixty six yards, and he's got a new quarterback. Um, Eric Wilson, a name that uh, probably yeah. doesn't come up a whole lot, but uh, four tackles in a sack. Uh, Sauce Gardner had four tackles, two tackles for loss. Derek Forrest, again, two tackles uh, and a forced fumble. For Eric, on Forrest, real quick, he is the fourth graded per PFF, fourth graded safety in the league and has the best cover grade among all safeties. Okay. 
So he, I mean, like we talked about him at the beginning of the year. He started. What you're like, saying is the defensive backs on last year's team were good. Well, right. And like, that's the other <laughs> thing. All like, three of them. I mean, Brian Cook's been hurt and not, you know, not a starter for them, but like Forrest, Sauce, Kobe, Kobe have been lights out from the day that they started. Before it was two like, years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. Right. But like, so those guys were good. Is that what we're saying? Right. And then um, I know it was against our Bengals. But uh, James Hudson went in oh, motion. Clean to do that. And just like, God, that guy. I mean, if he doesn't get thrown out of that game for some silliness. For sure. uh, uh, Chris, Chris Moore, touchdowns in back-to-back weeks for the Texans. Yeah. Um, it's we, we talked about it on PTP, and I, I know I've brought it up here. Like, It makes the NFL so much more enjoyable for me when – you know, if the even if the Bengals aren't playing, or you know, when the Bengals game's over, waiting on the Bengals game, whatever, to be able to flip through games and be like, "All right, let me, uh, you know, let, let let's see what Sauce is doing in this game," and, and watch those games in a different way of like, I don't really care who's winning this game necessarily, but like, let's see what he's doing. Let you know, obviously, like, no discredit to Jason Kelsey, um, because it, it's just not as necessarily exciting watching a center, but. Yeah, he he does uh, obviously a very fantastic job there, not allowing a sack in 607 consecutive pass blocking snaps. Uh, today the Bengals are on Fox, so you can watch Carolina uh, Bengals on Fox on CBS. Though you have Buffalo and New York and the Jets. So yeah. you're gonna have Sauce on Digs probably. Yeah, which just saying you can oh, flip yeah. back and forth for your Bengals and your Sauce. Nice. I'm sh- I'm I do want to say uh, I'm sure. UCF fans are mad that game day is not going to Tulane and it's going to Austin for TCU and and Texas. In Texas? Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it, it is what it is for those guys. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the Bearcat dudes, like, every week, they're, they're still, you know. Right. It, we knew it. It's it's funny to me to see like all these like national like talking heads and national Twitter accounts and whatnot like every every week there's like it seems like there's at least one Bearcat outside of Sosk because he gets a lot of the uh, a lot of the press or whatever because of a is you know he's putting cheese heads on on his head and doing the, that kind of thing and uh, but then his performance on the field but then you see like it, it's always like somebody new like. You know, you got like Eric Wilson that gets a little bit of credit here and Derek Forrest and Alec Pierce, I think will continue to just be a solid receiver. Um, I just, uh, there was, I guess, oh, the Chiefs were on a bye week. So that's why there was no Travis Kelsey. Right. Yes, because he he was at the Eagles game uh, last week, not the Thursday nighter. Right. And then they were both on, the Kelsey brothers were both on, uh, the Manning, the Manning cast, cast for the for with, the Bengals game, which I didn't catch uh, any of the Manning cast, but you know that is what it is. So they, they yep. continue to rep. They continue to rep UC. I mean, they bring it up all the time on their podcast. If people aren't watching the New Heights podcast, they're missing a lot of like hilarity and also good football insight. So the Falcons can cement their place at in, at at the top of the FC South if they would just make a quarterback change. Yeah, let, let's get. <laughs> You know, let's get some Desmond Ritter in there. I know their fans want it. 
even though oh. they keep even though they keep winning. Their fans uh, have been calling for it since before the season started. So I don't think it's going to happen. It's, you know, if you're first place in your division, you're probably not. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to make a quarterback, quarterback change, change, justify a quarterback change at that point. But uh, yes, but uh, that will uh, that concludes the Bearcats in the NFL. I don't have a ton to say about the Bengals except try not to suck today. Because uh, if you lose this game going into the bye, it it's going to be an ugly two weeks. I have so, a question for you on the Bengals, Dave. Because um, yes. we talked about it on Tuesday. But were you disappointed in the way that the trade deadline was handled? Uh, I mean, I guess me personally, not really, because I don't ever expect them to do anything at the trade deadline. So, like, I, when my expectations are one thing and that's what happens, I don't really get – like, I, I get both sides of it. Um, but at the same time, like, they have very little money right now that they could have actually used to trade for someone. Yeah, I think cap space is like 3.3. Under 3 million. Yeah, something like that. So, like, who are you getting that's like, for that, that that you really think is going to, like, truly make an impact? Well, you don't expect them to do anything creative with the salary cap. Like, no, I mean, that's the thing is, like, they're never, they don't restructure deals. They don't cut dudes and, like, take on dead money. So, like, that to me is like, if you're, if you want to just get mad for the sake of getting mad, fine, whatever. That you know, I get it. That's what fans do. But like asking them to do something that they never do, and then when they don't do it, getting mad about them, like, well, you knew that that's what was going to happen, right? So I, you know, I was just curious. I, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know. I don't know who like at corner, you know, maybe, but like, who's giving up good corners, right? <laughs> like, like if, if the corner's that good, they're not getting traded at the deadline. Certainly not for anything that the Bengals are willing to give up. Right, like a seventh-round pick and a guy that's making less than $3 million. Right. Um, um, so. There was just a tweet from uh, Mike Petraglia of Drew Chrisman in full uniform working out three hours before the game. Finally. Well, I don't know. I, we'll, I, I, we'll I, see I, haven't, what the, I haven't seen any, like, any, like, Corresponding the, uh, move of the, any sort. the the actives don't come out till eleven thirty. So, um, yeah, we'll see if he's. I mean, like, obviously Huber's been a dude forever. Like, he doesn't have it in his foot in his leg anymore. Like, it's no. pretty obvious that, like, unless you know his average right now, you know, he just doesn't. He's got too many kicks in his leg. He's like an old, you know, an old, an old man at this point. Like, <laughs> Just turn him into your turn, just turn, turn him into it, your punt coach and turn it over to the younger kid that can that can boom it a little bit more. I mean, if if hold if holding is that big of an issue, then we have like much bigger problems. Well, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't even know, like, because Evan McPherson's looked a little bit off with yeah, the, a bad, I mean, yeah, just, bad game. Yeah, I yeah. mean, everything about that game was bad. Like uh, there was nothing positive. <laughs> I, I, like, it was so bad. It was so bad. I mean. You let damn Jacoby Brissett go like 17 for 22 for almost 300 yards. Guys just, yeah. you know, and we'll, you know, part of that is because they're so banged up at corner, but like, um, but yeah, that, that's that another whole, one that you put in a box in yeah, your burn barrel. That whole game was fire. a, was a disaster. So just try not to suck this week and get back, get a win, go to the bye. Yeah, you know, and then let the still, le- second half of the season play out, and hopefully right. it's uh, 
you know, better than what we've seen thus far. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that about wraps it up. Big yeah. week coming up. ECU's playing well. I think they're on a three game win streak. At least it's here and not like I would be more concerned if it was at oh, ECU. I feel, like that, pl- I mean, I feel they, like that place is just like a, I don't know, a black hole of yep. sadness. So, well, we seem to, to figure out ways to win there, but yeah, it's never, it hasn't been easy. And Holt Nealers is a totally different quarterback home versus road against the Bearcats. So, and he's like 65 uh, years old, I think. Hopefully, that, yes, he might, hopefully, he can, you know, make it to the game. His hip doesn't break on him or something. I think he was in the same initial draft class as uh, Tom Brady. So, well, he played in the blowout. You see, blew them out in 2018. He played at the end of the game. Crazy. So that wraps it up for another winning episode of the Bearcat Brunch. Be sure to give Jeff and myself a follow, like, subscribe, leave comments. We read them. We we try to you know do the best that we can. Get into everybody's questions. We really appreciate it. We obviously always really appreciate our sponsor, Royal Links Golf Tours. And we will be back next Sunday morning with what is hopefully another winning episode. And and with Tulane and UCF playing each other, could uh, could set some things up for how this season's going to end. So with that, we thank you again for joining us, and have a great day. <laughs>